Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I was traveling through Mexico on the bus, the public bus, and you know what I noticed again and again was how much Mexicans love their children. You know, as a Catholic country, they have bigger families, but just to see these moms and dads delight with their children sitting on their lap on these buses, it was inspiring. And you know, that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, Psalm 127 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And in America, we maybe have two kids, and then there's lots of abortion. And not too many years ago, America was different. My dad was born in 1920. There were nine children in his family. That was not unusual back then, but maybe you've heard this. A woman has tuberculosis, and the father has syphilis. Together they have four children. The first child was born blind. The second child was stillborn. The third child was deaf and dumb. The fourth child has tuberculosis. Now they're pregnant with their fifth child. Would you recommend they abort this child? If your answer was yes, you just killed Beethoven. Do you, many, do you know how many Beethovens we have killed just in the United States since 1973? 57 million abortions since 1973. And I'm a baby boomer, and people my age are getting nervous, wondering if our Social Security is going to last, and you know why it might not? Because we've been killing the babies that would have paid into it. You reap what you sow. Well, that's America today. Let's go back to a better time when people value children. I want us to go all the way back to England in 1669 when Susanna Wesley was born. She was the youngest of 20, not 25 children. She herself would bear 19 children and all oh, the children that she bore. You've probably heard of John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. He got on his horseback all over England, started the Methodist revival. Thousands of people came to Christ. He traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. In his life, he preached 42,000 sermons. Many people were converted. That was her son. Her other son was Charles Wesley, who wrote over 3,000 hymns, some of the best hymns in the book written by Charles Wesley. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, hark the herald angels sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. Well, what produced such high-energy children? Today I'm going to tell you the story of Susanna Wesley and then draw some lessons from her life for our lives. Would you pray with me first? Father, we want to pray if anyone watching this show is considering an abortion, 
that you would turn from that decision and move that person to embrace life as you have created it. Lord, if anyone watching this show had an abortion, we pray that you would grant them repentance and they would ask your forgiveness. But Lord, we would ask you now, those who are parents watching this program, teach us how to be parents, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen carefully to the story of Susanna Wesley. I think this is very inspiring. Here we go. Susanna Wesley was born in London in 1669. As I said, she was the youngest of 25 children. At age 20, she married Samuel Wesley, a priest in the Episcopal Church in England. She bore him 19 children, though only nine lived to adulthood. Susanna did homeschooling six hours a day, teaching her children herself. She was a patient woman. One day her husband, frustrated, said to her, Why do you sit there teaching that dull child that lesson over for the twentieth time? She calmly responded, Had I satisfied myself by mentioning the matter only nineteen times, I should have lost all labor. You see, it was the twentieth time that crowned the whole. Susanna had many sorrows in life. Her first child, Samuel, did not speak until he was five years old. She called him during this time, the son of my extremest sorrow. She prayed for him day and night. One day when he was six years old, he disappeared for several hours. When his mother called for him, suddenly in a clear, perfect voice, he answered, Mother, here I am. This silent son went on to become a preacher. Another of her children was smothered to death in its sleep. And between 1697 and 1701, within four years, Susanna lost five of her babies. One daughter was deformed for life. The Wesley home caught on fire twice. The second time, everything burnt to the ground. They lost all their clothing, their furniture, their library. One page of Susanna's Bible was found. And on that page were these words, Sell all that you have, take up your cross, and follow me. All the people of her family escaped the house except for six-year-old John. Finding it impossible to reach him, Mr. Wesley knelt on the ground before the burning building and commended John's soul to God. Then suddenly the boy made an appearance at the window, escaped right before the roof collapsed, and the family and the gathering neighbors knelt on the ground thanking God for the rescue of every child. Her husband wrote this of Susanna after the fire. All this, thank God, did not sink my wife's spirits. In fact, Susanna had a sense that God's miraculous rescue of little John from the fire destined him for great things, and she spared no effort to train little John Wesley in the Creed, the Apostles' Creed, the, the Ten Commandments, and it was her training that produced the great founder of the Methodist Church. Eventually, Susanna started a Sunday evening prayer meeting in their house. In a letter to her husband, she writes that she has taken the children to church today, but, quote, since the Sabbath is entirely the Lord's Day, I also spend Sunday evening reading and instructing the children. It happened that neighbors and friends stopped in accidentally, and they begged that they also might listen in. This happened regularly, and soon Susanna had 30 to 50 people joining her for Sunday evening family devotions. At the prayer meeting, she would read copies of her, of her husband's sermons. Uh, 
Eventually, 200 people were coming to the home. For this, Susanna was criticized. Some people complained that a woman should not be holding such a meeting. She wrote her husband. As to it looking peculiar, I grant that it does, and so does almost anything that is serious or that may advance the glory of God or the salvation of souls. As for your proposal, husband, of letting some other person read, alas, you do not consider what a people these are. I, don't not, I do not think one man among them could read a sermon, nor has any of our family a voice strong enough to be heard by such a number of people. Nevertheless, as a woman, she didn't feel comfortable leading the group in prayer. She writes her husband, Because of my sex, I doubt if it is proper for me to present the prayers of the people to God. Last Sunday, I would have dismissed them before prayers, but they begged so earnestly to stay, I dare not deny them. Once her husband, her pastor husband, was imprisoned for unable, being unable to pay his debts, so Susanna feared he would starve in prison, so she sent him her wedding ring to cash in for food, but the husband returned it. Susanna had a stronger personality than her husband, but she never failed to see his good points, and she never blamed him for his lack of financial astuteness. <laughs> the years passed, and her grown sons, John and Charles, were about to leave England to go to America to, to evangelize the American Indians. John, as he left, expressed concern about leaving his elderly mother. She replied, had I twenty sons, I should rejoice that they were also employed, even if I should never see them again. <clears throat> when John and Charles returned to England, that's when the great Methodist revival started. It swept England. Susanna, now 70 years old, was able to stand next to her son John as he preached to crowds of 20,000. She lived to see her years of training pay off. After her husband died, Susanna went to live with John, and she advised him on how to carry out the Methodist revival. John Wesley then wrote this in his diary. On Tuesday, I came to London and found my mother on the borders of eternity, but she had no doubt or fear nor any desire but to depart and be with Christ. On Friday, Friday about three in the afternoon, I went to my mother and found her change was near. I sat down at the bedside, her look was calm and serene. Her eyes were fixed upward while we commended her soul to God. And then without any struggle or sigh or groan, her soul was set at liberty. We stood around the bed and fulfilled her last request. Children, as soon as I am released, sing a psalm of praise to God. She died in London, 1742. Her son John gave the funeral, and these words are written on her tombstone. In sure and steadfast hope to rise and claim her mansion in the skies, a Christian here, her flesh laid down, the cross exchanging for a crown. That is the life of Susanna Wesley. Let me share five things I learned for our lives from her life. Number one, parents, train your children. <laughs> It says in Ephesians chapter 6, Father, do not, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One scholar said this, The great service Susanna Wesley did for the world was accomplished largely through her thorough training of her children. So let me say something, Mom and Dad, that you don't hear much in American culture. Your most important job is to raise your children. 
not to send them off to somebody else to raise. There's no more important work on earth than for a Christian parent to raise up and train Christian children. Take that seriously. I want to share with you Susanna Wesley's advice on how to raise children. Listen to this letter. The first thing to be done is to conquer the children's will and bring them to an obedient temper. In the eyes of the world, they pass for kind and indulgent, whom I call cruel, parents who permit their children to get habits which they know must be broken later. Self-will is the root of all sin and misery, so whatever checks and puts it to death promotes the child's future happiness and piety. Religion is nothing else than the doing of the will of God and not our own. The one grand impediment of our temporal and eternal happiness is this self-will. So the parent who studies to subdue it in his child works together with God in the saving of a soul. The parent who indulges self-will does the devil's work and damns his child, soul, and body forever. <laughs> Where do you hear people talk like this anymore? And then she gave three rules for child rearing. Number one, no sinful action such as lying, playing at church, or quarreling should ever pass unpunished. Number two, no child should be beaten twice for the same fault, and if they amend, they should never be upbraided with it again. And number three, every act of obedience should always be commended and rewarded. And you can hear from that she believed in spanking, and many of us would see her as being pretty strict. Listen to this. <laughs> Drinking or eating between meals I never allowed, unless in case of sickness, which seldom happened. The children were so constantly used to eat and drink what was given them that when any of them was ill, there was no difficulty in making them take the most unpleasant medicine, for they dare not refuse it, though some of them would presently throw it up. Uh, th this I mentioned to show that a person may be taught to take anything, though it be ever so much against his stomach. <laughs> so the, the, the first thing I learned from Susanna Wesley is, Mom and Dad, take your Christian parenthood with the utmost seriousness. You raise your children. Second lesson I get from Susanna Wesley, have a daily quiet time. It says in Psalm 88, O oh Lord, I cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. Susanna Wesley set aside two hours a day to be with the Lord. And she made that decision when she had nine children. So don't say you can't do this. I mean, her quiet time did something to her. It ever put God before her. Uh, this is what she wrote to her oldest son. Samuel, get as deep an impression on your mind as is possible of the constant presence of the great and holy God. He is about our beds, about our paths. He spies out all our ways. Whenever you are tempted to the commission of any sin or to the omission of any duty, pause, say to yourself, what am I about to do? God sees me. In other words, her regular quiet time put before her that God is always in front of her. When she was 42 years old, she wrote this to her husband. I am a woman. I am also a mistress of a large family. And though you, husband, have the superior charge of the souls in our family, my husband, yet in your absence, I cannot but look upon every soul you leave under my care as a trust committed to me by God. And if I am unfaithful to him or you in neglecting to improve this trust, how shall I answer unto him when he shall command me to render an account of my stewardship? She knew there was a God who was going to call her to account on judgment day for the day, way she raised her children. Again, 
You never hear people talk like this anymore. But that's what a good quiet time will do for you. It'll put you back into God's mindset on this life. So let me ask you the question. Do you have a quiet time with God? Do you have some time every day where you talk to the Lord and you let him talk to you? And I've said this many times, but when I was a young preacher, an old white-haired Lutheran pastor said to me, Tom, you need one hour alone with the Lord every day or you'll burn out. And he said, you can pray during that time. You can read the Bible during that time. Sometimes I take out my guitar and I sing worship songs to the Lord. But I need that. <laughs> Have a quiet time. If you don't now, start. Third lesson from Susanna Wesley. Have family devotions. As soon as her children could speak, she taught them the Lord's Prayer, and they said it every morning and every night. She had devotions with her children. I, I've showed you this before on TV. I found this at a, at a garage sale. My mom used to read Ingemeyer's Bible story book to us when we were little kids. I love this book because it had such great colorful pictures in it. But, you know, I want to tell you this. Parents, talk to your kids about Jesus. Let, let, in fact, let, let me ask you this. When is the last time you talked one-on-one -on -one with your kids about Jesus? Have you ever talked one-on-one -on -one with your kids about Jesus? My dad never did. I don't remember one conversation with my father about God. Here's what Susanna Wesley observed as her method. Quote, I observed the following method. I take such a portion of time as I can spare every night to talk with each child alone. On Monday, I talk with Molly. On Tuesday, Hetty. Wednesday, Nancy. Thursday, Jackie. Friday, Patty. Saturday, Charles. And Emily and Suki together on Sunday. So I, I just want to encourage you. You know, maybe your kids are grown up. See if you still, as a Christian parent, can't get alone with your adult child and just have a good one-on-one -on -one talk with him or her about Jesus. Have family devotions. Fourth thing I learned from Susanna Wesley. Be inspired by Christian books. Susanna Wesley loved to read about other Christians. And w one day she got a book about the Danish missionaries and she, she writes this to her husband. I think I was never more affected with anything. I could not keep myself from spending a good part of that evening praising and adoring God for the D Danish missionaries with such ardent zeal for his glory. For several days I could think or speak of little else. At last it came into my mind, though I am not a man or a minister, yet if my heart were sincerely devoted to God and I was inspired with true zeal for his glory, I might do somewhat more than I do. I thought I might pray more for these Danish missionaries and speak with more warmth and affection to people. I resolved to begin with my own children. And, you know, um, go to a Christian bookstore. Get a book on Christian biographies. Get inspired. Susanna Wesley loved to read Christian books. The last lesson I learned from Susanna Wesley. Claim Romans 8.28 over everything. You know Romans 8.28? We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. During one of her greatest sufferings, she went to her room and she wrote these words. All of my sufferings, by the admirable management of omnipotent goodness, God, have concurred to promote my spiritual good. Glory be to thee, O God. That's Romans 8.28.
you're, you're managing all this. I don't like it, but I trust you're managing it. I mean, here's a man shipwrecked on a desert island. He spends three days building his hut. He's so happy he's built his hut. He goes off, he comes back. The hut is burning to the ground. He sits on the sand and he weeps. A boat shows up, rescues him. He said, how did you know I was here? They said, we saw your smoke signals. <laughs> That's Romans 8.28, that what we think is a tragedy, God is using for our good. Teddy Roosevelt had bad eyesight. He kept a metal uh, case in his pocket as he had his glasses on. He's giving a speech, an assassin's bullet hits him in the pocket, knocks him down, but he gets up and he's fine. Big dent in the, in the, gla in the case of uh, metal case. And he said, I always thought my nearsightedness was my greatest handicap. Now it's my salvation. That's Romans 8.28. Susanna Wesley knew that whatever tragedy she went through, God was working them out for her good, Romans 8.28. Let's summarize. Here's what I learned from Susanna Wesley. Number one, parents, raise your children. That's your most important job. Raise them for Christ. Number two, set aside a daily quiet time to be alone with God. Number three, have family devotions. Have a one-on-one -on -one talk with your child about Jesus. Number four, be inspired by Christian reading. Get some good Christian books. And number five, claim Romans 8.28 over every sorrow. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. In light of the fact that you've talked about Susanna Wesley being a wonderful mother in that, I guess my first question for you today, Pastor Brock, is isn't there an extended family that needs to support that mother too? Mm-hmm, and that's the church. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of single mothers in the church, and we're, we praise God that single moms are bringing their kids to church. And those mothers, some of them have to work. So I think every Christian is commanded to be in the church, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. But especially we need to be a network now that the family's kind of disintegrated to a great degree in America. We need as a church to step in and be the family. Okay. Yeah. You were talking about books and that, I guess, are there any books that you would recommend to a parent that would help them for training, raising their child? Yeah, you know, I would just go to the Christian bookstore. I'd go to the children's devotional section or whatever. And you know what I saw in there a while ago, Jackie? I was huge into comic books when I was little. There's a, there's a big, thick children's comic book of the whole Bible. You can, so in, instead of reading... Uh, uh, tons of pictures about Moses parting the Red Sea. Just go, go get something like that, or uh, j just get some good, big children's devotional book and read to your kids. That's all you need to do. It, it, it's, it's a simple thing to do. Yeah. Okay, you talked about the importance of quiet time. What exactly should a person do with their mm -hmm. quiet time? I, you know, everybody's different. I'm a morning person. If I don't do my quiet time in the morning, it often does not get done. So for me, I like to take an hour in the morning, and I'm not saying I make it every day, but I often make it, Jackie. And what I do in that hour, uh, I will um, read the Bible, I'll get on my knees next to my bed and I'll pray, and then I might get up and read a devotional book, and I might get back on my knees and pray, and then I might take my guitar out, and if you don't play guitar, you just sing to the Lord. I like to sing to the Lord, but try to take an hour to be alone with the Lord. It just does something good for me, yeah. Okay. Um, 
you talked about reading being important mm -hmm. in that. I guess, do you have any books that you recommend that people should read for some of their quiet time? Yeah, you know, uh, again, go to the Christian bookstore, go to the daily devotional area, and like I've got a daily devotional book by Martin Luther. I've got another daily devotional book by, by a Norwegian writer, a Christian guy. I've got, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you some of my favorite Christian books. Anything by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity is a great book. John Piper uh, is a great author, a Christian author. Anything by John Piper is good. Um, you know those little daily bread, not the daily word, that's a cult. The daily word is the unity cult. You don't want the daily word, but that little uh, uh, booklet called The Daily Bread, that's an excellent daily devotional. So those are some ideas. Okay, so you think we should do the devotional part as well as maybe the reading parts of other Christians and things like that too? We, yeah, we should. I mean, I'll tell you what I do. In my hour alone at the Lord, that's when I mainly just read the Bible. But I read daily devotionals because only one page. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. You talked about the importance of family devotions. I mean, in this day and age, with husbands and wives working opposite shifts mm -hmm. and children and all their activities and that, what are some of the what's some advice that you would give on how to begin trying to set up a time to do family devotions? Well. See, that what you just mentioned is the problem with the United States. We, everybody works because money is our God here in America, so nobody's raising the children. I, I know that's overstatement. There's some truth to that, though, Jackie. So, you know, I heard somebody say once, if you're going to have children, don't you think you should raise them? <laughs> and so my thought is this. Can you, as a mom and a dad, put raising your children as a priority such that, all right, at least every day, from 6 o'clock to 7, we're going to have dinner together and have some devotional time. I mean, I know a family that they had dinner together, and it was always at the end of dinner that they had their devotional time. So, you, you know, pick a time you like, but, but it's so important to get all the family together, praying together, the old saying, and family prays together, stays together. It's so important, and the reason the families aren't staying together is because they're not praying together. Okay, and then I guess... As a grandparent, yeah. myself, yeah. do I come in and try to help my children? <laughs> well, you've got to tap dance on that one. I think you've got to pray for wisdom. Lord, help me know when I say a word and when I keep my mouth shut. Um, but I will say this, Jackie. Ah, so many grandparents are the ones who bring their grandchildren to Christ. It's not mom and dad, it's grandma and grandpa. And God bless those grandparents for stepping in. I mean, my grandma was such a godly woman. I know she prayed for us kids. And so I think as a, as do it genteely and delicately, but I think any time a grandparent can share Christ with the grandkids, that's great. I think that I would agree with that. My grandmother was my inspiration mm -hmm. for wanting to be a Christian. Yeah. Thanks for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Thank you.